Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Task Force Echo, a StarCraft RPG actual play series. I'm your host and executive producer here, uh, Sinsaku, also known as John, and today we're doing something a little bit different. We are, uh, we, we're short two people uh, for the first hour or so um, due to work issues, but um, we're not going to let that stop us. Uh, instead, we're going to do a bit of an uh, overview slash look back uh, at the system that we've been playing, since it is a playtest, after all, and that's kind of what you do when you playtest things. Uh, so to give our opinions on it and thoughts as we wait for the rest of our crew to get here before we finish up our story with Task Force Echo, because we, we are at the end. So, um, we'll introduce our characters when we come back from the break after everybody else gets here. Uh, for now, I'm John, uh, and with me is William, Aaron, Cody, and Jeremy. And uh, so the first thing we really want to talk about, we're going we're gonna, to we're take this a little bit like the Natch 20 uh, does. I'm just going to guide us through a discussion on the system itself. So if you guys want to take this time to pull up your PDFs, because I haven't done that yet. Um, <laughs> and while one of you talk, I can pull it up. Uh, first thing we really want to do is talk about sort of our... our this is a very new system. I'm going to talk, and, and talk a little bit about our first impressions of the system, just sort of what grabbed us the first time we, we went through the books and went through the PDFs and what sort of stood out as compared to other things. Uh, and William, you've known the system the longest, so go ahead and give us a little talk. And also, please take off that mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that mask is actually a little bit uncomfortable, so I will... <laughs> uh, you don't say... <laughs> Uh, it, honestly, the worse than the heat of the mask is actually the fact that it's a little bit too much plastic on the lower end, so it, the the bottom rim of it just presses against my Adam's apple occasionally. <laughs> just slightly choking. Um, but other than that, are we... So, I don't know if it's something up with my Twitch, but when I try to go to twitch.tv slash taco, I end up watching League of Legends. I don't know why. Nope, I'm on, I'm on the Twitch and... You I may have mistyped fine. something. I'm at yeah, you're smoking TV crack, slash dude. Sensaku, man. <laughs> you put Sensaku with a K-O-O instead of K-U? No, it's a K-U. I guarantee you. <laughs> Try it again. Anyways, we're, we're, we are live. There are people in chat. They're saying I, hi. I, I don't know what's Technical up with... Technical difficulties. I don't know what's up with my Twitch. Oh, I just can't look at the chat, apparently. So, it doesn't matter. Um, But... The uh, the StarCraft RPG system is something that I sort of ran across while I was looking for games because I really... I I've, I have been look. I always look for RPG systems for the settings that I enjoy. I I would think I was looking for like a, a more modern Warcraft RPG setting uh, when I came across uh, Leovant's website for his StarCraft RPG campaign, and I was like, "Hey, we should try this out." So the the things that immediately stand out to me as a as a game designer, like trying to make my own setting into a into an RPG system, um, this system is very much. I want to get rid of the multitude of dice rolls that are involved in D&D, but I want to retain that sort of tactical complexity that people like from war games and from the older editions of D&D, like 3.5, uh, which is to say that it does like its floating modifiers and its ways of playing with numbers, but there's no... D4, D6, D8, D12, everything is decided on a D20 and everything is decided with that one roll of the D20 based on what you're looking for. There's no... I mean, I have incorporated these, but there's no real uh, defensive roles. Everything is against a target number on your opponent, whether it be their defense, their resolve, etc., etc., etc. 
everything is a D20 with target numbers based on derived statistics, which is, it sounds like a real simplification. The problem is all the math that is involved with it, which isn't necessarily a problem for people who really enjoy that kind of style of mathematics, people who are very simulationist players. Um, it's not necessarily my cup of tea, which is why I've made a couple of modifications to make it a little bit more narratively themed and make it a little bit simpler for the non-simulationist uh, player. Um, but if you are that kind of simulationist player who wants to crunch numbers and sort of be tactically efficient, this is definitely a very good system for that. Um, but I'm rambling, so let's get other people's first impressions on it. Cody, uh, you're quiet. I am always quiet. Uh, yeah, the the a big thing is the math. Um, it's it's it can be fun, but sometimes it can get a little. Uh, it, it adds up really quick, and you have to keep be able to keep track of your modifiers and know what goes with what. Uh, but overall, it's been pretty uh, a pretty fun game, and um, uh, this is the second system, which is it's really simple, just with the d20 uh, and not having to worry about the other dice. The knowing that when you hit something, you don't have to roll to see how much damage you do. You know exactly how much you do. The only thing you have to add is things from talents and statistics that you that you have. Um, yeah. I'm not... I don't talk about games as much. That's so, fine. yeah. So, Jeremy? So my initial thought when I looked at it was... Uh, a, a couple things, actually, I want to say before. Um, this is 100% not my style of system. Um, that did... <clears throat> I'm not a simulationist. I am much more interested in story than system. That's always been the case with me. Um, going into it initially, I looked at uh, there were things that I really liked about it, and there were things that I, I liked a little bit less. Um, I like that it took that simulation. There, it it put it in a way that works as well as possible for somebody who is not into it. So it frames it in essentially a sort of Dungeons and Dragons system framework, and then makes the makes the changes from there. So that was something that I real that I found was a smart move. Instead of just going, okay, this is this this is exactly what's going to work best. We're going to do all of this ridiculous complexity because that's what that that's what we're interested in. Um, so that was sort of actually my first impression was like, okay, this is super complex. Um, but I like that they, I like that they, um, uh, put it within a framework that most game, most role-playing game players are at least going to be familiar with. So there's at least an entry point. All right. And our resident professional game designer, uh, Aaron. Professional is a stretch. Game designer is accurate. Um, <laughs> well, one of the first thing that struck me about the game, and this may have been partly because of how I built. And Aaron's connection. My character, your intelligence at when building. But You're back. Sorry, You're back. it's okay. my. 
your intelligence stat, at least, when you're building a character, actually determines how quickly your character grows, which I thought was really not necessarily unique to this system, but kind of unusual, um, not in a good or bad way, but a very notable element um, to the system. It, for those who were paying attention to all of her statsy stuff, um, your character's intelligence stat essentially determined how many points you got to put into your skills um, or how quickly your skills could accrue, um, which was created some interesting dynamics because a higher intelligence led to that sort of quicker growth of other things, um, which is a nice way to benefit a stat that might end up being used less in a uh, let's say combat oriented tactics oriented mm -hmm. system or setting um, as we've sort of already commented on a few times. I think um, my other takeaway is sort of everything is built using the same parameters and the same formula. You build the villains the same way you build the heroes, the same way you build... You build all the characters with the same basic building blocks. Which is very interesting. But I don't necessarily think that that... Um, makes it so that anything is playable. And I think the system acknowledges that. Um, I think it also, really, really quick, it should be noted just for perspective from, for, for viewers that Aaron and I both being very narrative-based players uh, as a rule went into this not only completely not only unfamiliar with the system but we were completely unfamiliar with the StarCraft universe and StarCraft lore so Same. we came into this with with our focus generally being towards story a little bit more but not knowing anything about the story but I want to note that that's how I've approached a lot of RPGs. Yes. That's how I've come into um, what's the main setting of the D and D stuff? Faron, uh, Forgotten Realms. Realms. Yes. Faron, Eberron, um, Vampire. Throw out a few more things that RPG veterans are like. Oh yeah, I know that setting. Shadow Run. Right. I come into most of those things with very little experience. Um, this one was a little harder to come to. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the nature of the setting. Maybe it was... Well, that, uh, that actually ties very well into, into else, but... uh, something I was going to say, um, which is this system is incredibly dedicated to the setting. Yes. Like, yes, that, was, that was the very, very first thing that I noticed while... Um, Looking and while 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 looking over it initially, and then while creating characters and everything, is that most games and 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 we sort of prove it. We here at Final Show Films like to prove this by taking systems and removing them from their intended setting, i.e., <laughs> Shadowrun in a post-apocalyptic world, Mage the Ascension right. in Harry Potter, things like that. Um, and most systems work just fine if you remove them from their setting. This one doesn't. 
This system is specifically designed and built around the StarCraft setting, which is good, uh, yeah. which, which, is, which is not a bad thing for a system to be. Most World of Darkness, most World of Darkness is not designed to be removed from the World of Darkness. It just can be. Um, and so that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what it does is it rewards players who are more familiar with the setting than people who aren't. And in this particular case, the only players, not counting William because he's a storyteller, the only players that were really familiar at all with the setting was me and Jack. Um, and, and you know, that, that, that's, that's fine. We had fun and we were able to get a lot out of it. But um, it does sort of put a, put like sort of a, a, a limitation on your ability to do certain things and your ability to think certain patterns if you're not aware of it. That... Uh, that on top of the fact that this is a hugely complex game. I, I, I like what, what William said earlier about how it's sort of um, it's sort of like you know they, they didn't like the the um, range of dice rolls in D and D D, but they did like the complexity of D and D. And so you've got all the you've got basically a system that's just as if not more complex than Dungeons and Dragons but without as many things. And so it, it, it creates an interesting dynamic of while there aren't as many systems within the system, each one is infinitely more complicated than it necessarily needs to be. Um, and, and it's kind of that... that and that, that's sort of a problem, I think, inherent to a one-dice system. Any, any system where you're rolling 1d20 for everything... That D twenty is going to be very important. It's going to have a lot of things attached to it. It's going to be very, very complex. The amount of math that goes into that in order to make that a viable system. Um, it's definitely a mathematician's game. I think that's fair to say. Yes. Um. So with 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 that sort of out of the way, let's talk about things that we liked about the system, William. Um. Honestly. Even aside from the uh, the math qualities, I, I do I do enjoy a lot of math. I I'm kind of this like avid all spectrum individual where I generally tend to enjoy many things if they're done well. And I will say the math the math in this system is done well. I do enjoy my narrative, but I do also enjoy the the mathematical uh, approach. And the the math in the system is done well once you can get past it, once you can like read the terminology properly. Um, uh, I will say the the thing that I do very much enjoy out of all of it was their very strong and honestly it worked fairly well um, grasp on making the three races play differently. Mm-hmm. Um, each of them has a different way of building their characters, has a different way of using equipment or growing. Uh, each of them has a different currency system. Each of them has their own, basically, play style. It's sort of like putting, in a World of Darkness terms, it's sort of like putting a werewolf next to a vampire next to a mage. Um, in that all three of them are still using the same core rule set, but they're all playing the game very, very differently. Yeah. That's fair to say. Cody. Uh, I liked how, even though I knew absolutely nothing, I well, no, that's not true. I knew that in StarCraft there were Terran, Zerk, and Protoss. That's all I knew. Um, I was still able to make a, a character that I could, I got a feel of how they should act in a in a world like this. Um, 
my character was Emojin, so I, I and I picked them because, or picked that race because when I was reading through the description, uh, they they kind of laid out a character that I normally go to when I don't know anything about a game, which is kind of roguish. They'll do stuff for money. Uh, so and they try to do that. So that it was really easy for me to latch onto that and then go from there. And so that's where I came up with a pilot that he explores and tries to go find weird stuff so that he can take it back home and sell it. And then that tied in nicely with, you know, opening up to our campaign and, uh, the weapon rules, um, were pretty nice. They were simple and it lets you know what you're going to be able to do with each thing. And you didn't have to rely on, uh, crap, I forgot where I was going with this. Luck of the roll? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could, you could specialize in one thing so that even if you did roll poorly, there was still a chance that you'd be able to help at least. Yeah, we've had some bad rolls that still succeeded or did what they were supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also later on learning that you can duct tape a second barrel to a sniper rifle. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I could I could have gone further and put a third one on and just like just started rotating it and then just boom. get a Gatling sniper. Just just yeah. pop 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 pop. Yeah, like I think after one session we joked that uh, I could theoretically event like if I had saved up enough money and we'd gone far enough, I could build a sniper rifle where I'd be able to shoot at a starship and eventually as long as I didn't get hit by the starship, I'd win. Uh <laughs> But yeah, asterisk. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, then the asterisk. starship crashes on you. But yeah, exactly. A- asterisk. Assuming the starship doesn't go. Oh, hey, there's a sniper. Turbo lasers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Jeremy. Um. So I, I will agree with that. One of the things that I hate about some role playing game systems is that everything is decided on uh, everything about your character creation is decided on dice rolling. I don't like that. I like being able to build my character the way that I want to build it. Um, I started get I started getting back into D and D when they moved away from insistence on, on, on random dice rolls for your stats and started introducing things like point buys and, and stuff like that. That being said, I still roll my stats in D and D, but there's 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 <laughs> nets in place. <laughs> there are nets and but there are nets in place now that are official that with that that Wizards of the Post Coast picked up from what players did because they got tired of having a bunch of substandard stats. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, I think. Uh, um, uh, uh, I mean, John are the only two people who created two characters for the game. Um, <laughs> two. So I did. I probably did it in the opposite order of what I should have. I created the social, very setting-based character first, and then the stupid run in and shoot people person second. Um, I probably should have done that in the opposite order, considering my my familiarity with the system. Um, but I really like, uh, that the source book did a good job. There was still, I think there's still room for improvement, but a good job of laying out what is like everything Blizzard does. 
a very extensive, very detailed history um, and, and setting information. So after reading that, I did a little a little reading of like the wiki. It's the StarCraft wiki as well. But I at least had a general sense of what what kind of world I was creating my character for. Um, that if you had if you had you know brushed over too much or spent too long build you know detailing out everything, that would have very easily been lost, and I would have had no idea where to start. Um, that I really enjoyed. Uh, I I, I enjoy the setting as a whole. Um, yeah, and that's it. Okay. That came out sounding worse than it meant to. But... <laughs> that's all that I like about that's, this system. That's that everything. It. Everything um, else is garbage. <laughs> Things you like. So, well, obviously, like anything in this system, there's still opportunities to tune it. I really like at least the foundations of the medical system. Um, the way. As the person who tends to pick medic um, and heal spam, it's it's a very interesting system um, for a more realism gritty setting. Um, the the way wound thresholds are handled feels generous enough, but also um, risk. There's a risk there, um, and I also like that. If you really want to have a dedicated medic, they can they can be refilling like half of your health bar with each of those. Once again, making those limited healing thresholds feel a little more generous. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked the way that was put together. Um, and I like the. Like was already sort of said, I like the way the setting was laid out, particularly in the flavor text for things like the sub races. Um, okay. Um, anything else, or is that it? Uh, those are the things I really wanted to cover. Okay. Um, so for me, um, I played. I, I I did the thing that I do whenever I'm playtesting something, and I said, "What's the weirdest shit I can do?" And how can I break this? Um, I, I'm the stress tester of the group. Uh, and, uh, and, and so, obviously, the first thing you do is you go for, well, what's the most powerful thing physically <laughs> that you can do? And that's a Zerg. Um, and so I started, my, 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 my objective was to build a really powerful Zerg and see how far it would go. And then after a little bit of ways to do it, I, I, I switched over to a Protoss. If I was playing a character that I like, I I really would have liked to play probably would have been a Terran. But um, I I enjoy the differences between the distinct the distinct differences between each race. So we've we we did one like sort of a one shot play test previously, and I have so I have now played all th I have played three of the four player options in the game. I have played a Terran, I have played a, a Zerg, a Primal Zerg, and I have played a, a Protoss. I haven't played an Infested Terran yet, so I'm not sure about those. But each race ha feels distinct, um, m both, both, both thematically and mechanically distinct. Um, there is your, your objective, and, and sort of the way that these characters are built mechanically informs, informs how you would play them. Uh, just as an, as an example, Terrans build all their stuff with money. 
so that's sort of their goal is to make money. That that you, you sort of you have this inherent goal in a character based on how they progress. Terrence progressed through money. Uh, Zerg progressed by eating things, and Protoss progressed by uh, doing deeds of glory and honor. So you have these mechanical incentives that then turn into role-playing incentives, and I think that, in particular, is a very clever way of designing a character. Um, in, 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 in D&D, in D&D, there's no real, like, you can pick a mechanical incentive if you want, but there's not really anything inherently built in for any character based on their race, class, whatever, uh, that tells you what they want. Um, because in D&D, you're making a unique individual that just so happens to be this, that, and that. Um, but in the StarCraft universe as a whole, there are certain racial drives that all the char- that all the, the three races have that is represented story-wise and in this system represented mechanically, which I like. One thing that I really... Whenever, whenever I do reviews, I always talk about f- how flavor falls in line with mechanics. And in this particular mm-hmm. instance, the flavor of the setting really falls in line with the mechanics of the races, what they want to do. Yeah. Um... And I really appreciate that, just from a you know from a from a perspective of somebody who does who is familiar with the setting and does enjoy the setting and also enjoys building characters in these settings. Um, there there are some other things that I, that I like, but I think I think mostly they've been covered. Uh, and, and and anything else would be sort of a small nitpicky thing. So let's talk about things we don't like about the setting. And please keep it to minimum of one paragraph. Um, yes. <laughs> minimum of one paragraph or maximum of one paragraph. Maximum. Of one I heard paragraph. minimum. Sorry. So I'm maximum. Going, no, one I'm, no. Uh, for Jeremy. For Jeremy only. Um, <laughs> William. All right. Um, so I, I mentioned uh, we we're talking about stuff that I like that I, I do enjoy the 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 math and the numbers and the playing with the mechanics. I don't necessarily enjoy being forced to do that. Um, because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of in the system where your character is less efficient if you're not making complete use of the setting of the system as a whole. Um, if you are not using the morale system to take advantage of things, if you are not using the aim system, if you are not using X like X Y Z part of the game, your character becomes dramatically less efficient. Um, unless you are making full use of everything the game has to offer, you find yourself kind of handicapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not necessarily fond of that. Uh, I am, and this is obviously a difference of design philosophy between me and Leavon. I am more of the individual who believes that if I want to make a unique, powerful thing, instead of making it numerically superior, I would make it do something unique. I am more of an abilities over numbers. Um, Your microphone cut that's... in volume specifically. Wiggle the cable. Hello. There you are. I think you're back. Here. Nope. Okay. Still out. Nope. You're still quiet. Yeah, still quiet. Let me just turn the gain up. It fixed itself. <laughs> As you leaned in, know. it fixed. I don't know what I did. Neither do we. You moved six inches closer. You were talking for too long and it decided you must not be talking anymore. A butterfly in Hawaii flapped its wings. Okay, so what did you guys miss? No, we didn't no, miss anything. We, you just got really quiet. Okay. We just said that the second you start. Okay, but yeah, I, I am I am very much a sort of, if I want to make something powerful or unique, I give it a new ability rather than higher numbers, which is a, a different way of... It's a different style of mechanical creation than Leavant's, and it's not necessarily like one is superior than the other. 
But it's definitely something that I'm not necessarily a fan of is the idea that to be better at something, your numbers have to be bigger rather than you just have to be able to do it a unique way. It's the 5th edition D&D philosophy versus the 3.5 D&D philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both are, both are fun systems that I enjoy playing, but I am definitely much more on the 5th edition philosophy side of the table. Yep. Great. Right. Cody. Uh, I didn't like that there was I didn't like that the talents that you could get mm-hmm. were focused almost exclusively for combat uh, like we're we all talked about how we like story type gameplay and when you can't when all your talents and the special things you can do are restricted to combat only uh, it's it's it can be fun because it means in combat you can do some pretty awesome things, uh, but other than that, you're just like everybody else. You can't do anything. You have just as good a chance to try to persuade somebody as the person that is a legit smooth talker, and they've they've made a character that's supposed to be a smooth talker or super intimidating. Uh, they don't get any bonuses other than what they've put into, uh, I believe, influence. Um, that they might have. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, all right, well, I don't talk a whole lot. I'll go, I'll go talk to them and try to try to do the thing. And they just do awesome at it. Uh, just because they rolled higher than the person that actually, that actually put points into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the fact that there's no social, uh, or anything to engage you to, to role play more outside of combat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, Jeremy. All right. Um, I will agree with that. By the way, I will say there is a reason that I went from Stefan to Dirk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could. There was very little I could do effectively with Stefan, even though I feel like my 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 initial confusion regarding the system aside. I feel like he was a well-built character that I could do very little with. I would, I would, um, I would love to see Stefan in, in like a D and D setting in like Grand Terra. Oh yeah, no, I have. I've there is a version of that character that I would love to play. There is a version of that character. He's actually based on a on a, on a werewolf the apocalypse <laughs> character that I made, who had a v- almost identical background, just you know, tweaked for yeah. Gaia versus <laughs> Dominion. Um, uh, and I feel like uh, he was one of my favorite characters that I ever played in Werewolf. Um, my issues with it, I mean, like I said, the, the, I'm not going to get too much on, on, on the mechanic, the, the math of it all, because that is, that is 100% not my thing. And so I'm definitely not the person to, to, to talk about that. Um, I, my concerns were, uh, my biggest problem with the game was, with the system card for people. Um, phone going off. (laughs) The first part of it, and I realized that a lot of games may not necessarily be, be built around this possibility, but the fact that we had Terrans, uh, uh, Zerg and Protoss in it. Those three races are not balanced together in a really, really big way. Um, so that was that was a problem that I saw in it. That you know, well, a lot of us were playing Terrence, and we would sit there and 
you know, we would do our thing. And yes, again, there were so there was some misunderstanding on on how many points we actually had and, and things like that that resolved that to a degree. Um, but it would still be like, all right, we go in and we do this, and then all of a sudden the the the, the psychic stuff comes out, or the 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 Zerg destroy everything stuff comes out, or whatever the case may be, and we'd be like, well, I'm glad we were here to see this because um, that was about all that we did. So I had concerns about that, and particularly, I think this is a bigger one. Um, is that this game at least? What I've seen, we're at level 10 out of how many levels does this game have? 30. 30. And power creep is a thing. And power creep is a big thing in this point. Because it's like it's like Cody said about, you know, at some point, purely mechanically, which is what this system leans heavily on, a person with a gun can probably go one-on-one with a starship and win because the mechanics say that it does. Um, I don't imagine how much, how, how, if it continues advancing the way that it currently does, the power levels are going to get ridiculous. Um, and, and that is something that, is difficult to try to be fair and difficult to quantify until you have playtesters and until you have people playing at the maximum levels, which doesn't happen a lot. Um, but that is something that as we advanced in level, I kept seeing as like, we're level five out of, uh, out of 30 and we're able to do this much Jesus Christ. So th- those I think were my two biggest concerns about the game. Or things that I, w- I had issues with. Erin? Um, so a lot of what I wanted to talk about was touched on power creep. Um, thematic. I, I think the two things that remain are um, the game is very thematic in a way that's appropriate to the setting. But sometimes it feels like in being so appropriate to the setting it's hard for characters to have individual themes. Um, it feels like it pushes the Terrans to all be thematically similar, and it pushes the Protoss to be all thematically similar. And we had characters that pushed against this. Vazran um, was very unusual in terms of her approach to honor and her approach to the things that are mechanically incentivized in the system. Ava and Stefan were polar opposites of the Terran spectrum, but Mm -hmm. it still felt like there was this, and perhaps it's the combat orientation that ends up doing this, perhaps not. That's a thing I'd poke at. Um, (laughs) um, Sort of um, ends up creating this dynamic where the flavor almost is very good, but I wonder if it sometimes overwhelms individual narrative. Um, and then the second thing that I did want to briefly comment on was um, the um, 
the ways characters are able to interact are not I love systems that allow people to feel clever or find unusual bits of the mechanics that they can use in interesting ways. Um, the flying rogue that stands above the target so that they can always be smashing with someone in melee. Um, that's cool to me. Um, I like that sort of thing. But um, I think that to some extent for those depth versus complexity, casual versus core, there's a whole pile of game design theory here, but sort of on a very surface level, it feels like there's so much mechanics that you have to get really deep into the numbers in order to do clever, interesting things um, with those numbers. And that can be really confusing, not just for your GM, but for your other players. Um, if one person's like, ooh, I found this cool thing I can do. Because there's so many rules and there's so many subsets of the rules. Um, that it, it can start to feel unbalanced simply on that experience with the game level. Um, which is not necessarily all bad. It creates a lot of interesting things. But depth doesn't need to be buried so deep, is what I'd say with that. So for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a bit on a on a on a, on a talk about the mechanical structure of certain aspects of the game, particularly. Uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, earlier about how um, a lot of the talents are focused on combat, and as is a lot of the gears. But interestingly enough, one of the things that has almost absolutely no bearing on combat whatsoever is your character. Um, yeah. You can completely remove any player from their gear and have that gear fire autonomously, and it will do just as good at firing autonomously as it would if it was being held or wielded by a character. And the reason for this is because um, the way combat works in the system is you have two skills that basically function over the entirety of combat, ranged and melee. Um, and you add your ranged or melee skill to the accuracy of your weapon, plus an accuracy bonus that you get depending on how quick or slow the weapon is. Um, and that's your what you roll in addition to hit. With some characters that can take a minute to aim, have a scope, and have a scope and uh, and have a couple of talents to back them up, they can get a plus twenty-seven to hit people. Uh, for another person whose entire focus is to be an upfront melee tank coming in and trying to punch you in the face, they can have a plus five because. Yeah. The amount of physicality that you have, whether it be how strong you are, how dexterous you are, how quick-witted you are, anything like that, has no bearing on how well you attack someone in combat. Tertiarily, there are some uh, things that your attributes contribute to. Your, uh, some of your attributes do contribute to the max amount of overages you can get on damages. So if you roll over the, the defense of an enemy, then the number, of the, the number by which you roll over compared to a stat increases the damage that you can deal. 
and uh, intelligence, as I think we touched on earlier, in- determines your skills. So if you have a higher intelligence, you can put more skill points in melee or ranged. But what this ends up being is a person with a high intelligence and who is basically physically crippled is better, can, can be better at hitting somebody with a sword than a person who is Adonis physically, but dumb as a rock. Um, which <laughs> doesn't make any sense narratively. There's a certain mechanical sense that it makes in that you, 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 you want... The, you, you want your combat to be as autonomous as possible, so you don't want it to be like, you know, you, you don't want it to be like, so-and-so uh, is, so-and-so has really good stats, therefore they're great at doing everything. Which is fair, because your stats do influence the rest of your skills. But, there are points where a character who shouldn't, who has trained for a thousand years with a melee, with, with, with this sword, and has all the muscle memory and strength and agility that you need to wield a sword. Because, by the way, as someone who does wield a sword on a regular basis for theatrical purposes, it takes a good amount of strength and agility to accurately and act and, and, and actively wield a weapon. It's not... Yep. It's not... It's like people, a lot of people say it doesn't matter how, str- how, hard you, how hard you swing the sword, it's how precise you are with it. B.S. You have to be strong and dexterous. Um, realistic, if D&D were to be realistic, realistic it'd take both a combination of your strength and dexterity to hit things, but anyways um, but uh, it, it the f- removing your character's physicality from their combat makes it kind of feel like what's the point in having stats what is the point in having a 7 strength if that means nothing except for when I hit them because if you're not hitting them, then it doesn't matter. So that's that, that's that that is the, I think is probably my my number one issue with the game is that your character themselves has so little to do with combat, aside from the fact that they're there. Yeah. So. Which I want to say, I think might be compounded by the issue the game is very combat focused and yeah. combat oriented yeah um, um i i mean a lot of weapons in the storyteller system also are kind of autonomous e i understand there's skill to them well but... in in the storyteller system damage is at least based off of your character mm-hmm well, with the exception of ranged weapons. Yeah, with the exception but of guns. Okay. Even, no, even those do because the number of successes that you get on ranged weapons add to your damage roll. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but that is a system where often when you're using the kinds of weapons where it doesn't have much impact, you may not be fighting very often. Yeah. Um, I think the frequency of combat might be why, why we're bringing up stuff about the feel of that aspect in relation to characterization. Yeah, and and the and the game as we as we've all said previously, the game incentivizes combat over everything else. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's possible to make an entirely social campaign in this setting. It's just that the mechanics don't incentivize that. Um so we've we've talked about things we like, we've talked about things we don't like, talk about our first impressions. Now at the end of this trail, at the end of this uh playtest basically, um uh, what are some things that 
we feel like we've learned from the beginning to the end, and how would you improve the system going forward? Like, if, you, if you, let's say you got you were in charge of you were in charge of uh, 3.0 version 3.0 of this, uh, what would be some something that you would require to be changed or to be added? Starting with William. Um. So. <clears throat> I'm going to make the caveat of I'm assuming I'm writing this from the same simulationist perspective that Leo Vaughn is because I don't want to just say I would change it to 5th edition D&D. Right. Without drastically altering the purpose the, the direction of the game. I would run StarCraft under storyteller systems. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, to to definitely to make improvements on the 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 metric and the skeleton that has been created with these two editions, um, definitely I feel that if you're going to make a system where all of the dice, where all everything is determined by one d twenty roll, that takes away a little bit of interactivity between enemies. It's sort of a, I'm going to try and hit your number. The only way you can interact with that is by raising your number. You don't have anything to do with me hitting you. Yeah. Um, so the the way that part one of the ways that I would definitely improve this is if you're going to work with that kind of play style, the numbers themselves need to feel more impactful. So they need to be smaller, but more important, in my opinion. Uh, so to me, it's like, You've only got a handful of ways to increase your numbers, but your defense is rel- is also relatively not as drastically high. It's sort of... I always bring this up a lot when I'm talking about D&D 3.5. Numbers get stupidly big. Um, in, yeah. D&D, in D&D 3.5, levels 1 through 10, a skill bonus will probably be anywhere from plus 5 to plus 15. Levels 10 to 20 of D&D 3.5 go from plus 20 to plus 45 to 50 to 60 skill bonuses. <laughs> Legit. We had, a, we had a character in Pathfinder, which is based on 3.5, that had an AC of 97. Something like that. <laughs> Austin. No. No, that Holly. was Holly. Oh. oh. <laughs> I was going to say, that's usually an Austin thing. Holly. No, Austin builds like I build. Austin builds suboptimal. Funny. But makes it broken. <laughs> but, but makes, makes it broken. It broken. Austin, Holly's just terrified. Austin was Austin was GMing. That's that's. Oh, okay, okay. And that's the thing is, he doesn't try, but he still does. He I figured that's what it was. And we does. like fell into an AC of ninety some. <laughs> um, but yeah. So the the way that I would definitely make the the improvement uh for for a new edition would definitely be to crunch the numbers down so that there's less of them, but they're more impactful. That way it's easier to grok the numbers and understand what they do, but it also gives you a a better grasp on, okay, this is how much better I'm making myself. One increment means that I have this much better chance of hitting someone. So if if all the numbers are smaller and I can grok them easier, I can go, okay, it's so much easier for me to comprehend if I do this and this, I'm gonna make my attack that much more effective. Uh, it, it's it's less of how do I get from my plus five to a plus thirty to how do I get from a plus five to a plus eight because that's all I need. The only caveat there being that um, making the numbers smaller inherently requires the dice get smaller as well. 
Because small numbers on a D20 still has, especially like if your defense is five, even if you have no bonuses to a D20, that's still really... I, I want to, I just want to give a quick interjection. It doesn't necessarily necessitate that the dice become smaller. What it does mean is that your randomness has a larger impact. You yeah. can mitigate that by changing your dice to be a smaller one. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but that's that's probably my biggest thing is the the numbers need to be more easy to comprehend uh, because the the biggest thing that this game has against it is a uh, I use a, a very familiar Dark Souls term a learning wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> If you can, if you can break through that wall and get your oh, hi, head Einstein. in, how you doing? <laughs> if you can, if you can break through that learning wall and get your head into the game, suddenly everything makes sense, and you're just being becoming this god of the setting as you just suddenly learn to manipulate all the numbers. But until you've broken through that learning wall, you're just like, I don't cracking head against wall right now. Ornstein and Smo, Ornstein and Smo, which is why we moved it from Ornstein and Smo to Vo- uh. William, what's the first boss in Dark yeah. Souls 3? Oh, no. Uh, Vort uh, of the Boreal Valley. No, no, the actual the training boss. Um, oh. Vort does not count. Vort is not a particularly well-designed uh, example. Gundir. Which is why we moved it from Smo to Gundir by the third game. And yeah, Cody, that's uh, my thing. Cody, one thing you didn't uh, prove. One thing I actually could improve is uh, making... Uh, mechanics, since the, they're so important in this game, uh, like your mechanical numbers, incentivize you towards ex- exploring and interacting with with the setting. Um, like we have, we've had a spaceship this whole time, and we've only gone from point A to point B. But other than that, it's basically just uh, a tool to transition where we are during that episode. We don't really use it a whole lot. We don't. There's there's ways that we can use it in the book, uh, but only for, uh, like, only only for combat. There's not a whole lot of uh, incentive to interact with, or anything that would incentivize you to interact with the the setting in a social or exploration way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy? Um, if I had to pick one thing that I could change, I would change simply the amount of modifiers that you have to deal with. I know this sort of goes again, that, that, that's sort of caked into the system because of the style of system that it is. And this is, again, simply because it's not its not the kind of system that I normally enjoy. But in this case, I feel like just even a small amount, like removing power rating from weapons and doing that differently, because that's super confusing. Um, or or just a couple little little changes of lowering out those uh, those those amount of modifiers that you have to add together would make that aspect of it, the mechanical aspect of it, run a lot smoother 
And when that site is running smoother, then the focus, in my experience in gaming, when the mechanics are running smoother, then the the lean towards mechanics sort of evens itself out because you're not spending all of your time looking in books and doing math and doing all that sort of stuff that can bog down, down gameplay. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would go with. Yeah, and, and just sort of to tag in there really quick, I think one of the biggest issues that could that could be solved by removing modifiers or at least changing how they work is attack speed. Um, mm-hmm. Because the the way the book phrases your attacks is it says you have a number of attacks equal to or dependent on the speed of the weapon, which doesn't mean you can attack three times. It means that you add the you add an accuracy bonus three times to your bonus if you're attacking with all three of your attacks. But if you attack with less of those attacks, then you add a smaller bonus to it depending on the number of attacks that you use. And just by explaining the system, I explain the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Aaron? Um, so you guys tell the game designer, change one thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I would want to test things out and I would want to throw things at the board and I would want to change things one at a time and like see how it works and mm-hmm. understand themes better. Um, I'm not the person to ask this, uh, but my umbrella answer understanding that I don't know how this would work or the ramifications of it is that I would find um, I would try and expand the not necessarily the viability of non-combat at entirely but the roles of not combat-oriented character plays, particularly in the context of combat and giving them systems that support their primary function, too. Mm-hmm. Medic is pretty well-developed in the current version of the game, but if we had, if you had a more explorer-focused pathfinder, not pathfinder system, pathfinder in terms of what the explorer... Yeah. Person who finds paths. Person who finds paths, which is apparently a StarCraft thing, I think. Um, Character, they could um, maybe identify enemy weaknesses during the fight or something. Um, And giving more of those support roles, both mechanics for their primary function and mechanics for their combat function, um, might really help. Because... If we're going back to that Dark Souls metaphor, um, yeah, a lot of people smack their head into Ornstein and Snow, but just as many people are like, you know, I'm going to try and jump off here. I'm going to try and jump off here. And I wonder what happens if I go and fight that dragon with a whole bunch of arrows because he can't hit me because I'm in this little glitched part of the ledge. And, oh, hey, that guy only goes so far. Now I have Havel's ring. Um I don't know how much of that translates out of Dark Souls, but like um, letting some of that variant playstyle be unique, if mechanically inferior, might let other players sort of experiment within the system. Or at least that would be the intent of the change. I don't know how that would actually work. Uh, 
definitive this is the answer to your problems are always a little challenging for well, me. And, and, and that's not quite what we're trying to do here. What we're trying to do is things that you would like to, and that, that's actually a yeah, perfect well, thing. It's like, what a, would you like to try? In a new iteration of the system, Yeah, this is a sort of area that I could see expanding, changing, right. Yeah, that would perhaps alleviate some of the struggles of the current version of the system. Yeah, that's a perfectly fine answer. Um... For me, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback a little bit on what Cody said and sort of expand it out. Um, the setting is sci-fi. The setting is space western. Yeah, but there's surprisingly little support. Like there there's mechanic there are mechanics for ships in the game, but there's surprisingly little support for incentivizing that element. When you think space western, you think Serenity. You mm-hmm. think uh, you think uh, Cowboy Bebop for the anime fans out there. Um, you think uh, 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 Red Dwarf for the comedy fans out there, like Space Dandy, Space Dandy, like <laughs> Outlaw Star, where the, these these shows and these stories, um, um, the culture series of novels, um, the, the these things where. The being in the universe and being a part of it is as much part of the story as going from A to B. Um, a lot of the time we use the ship, we're going, okay, we're going to Unity Station. Vroom, an hour later, we're there. Okay, we're going to this other planet. Vroom, three hours later, in-game, we're there. Um, I would scale back a lot of the importance that they've placed on the unit-to-unit interactions and sort of the ground-based interactions and scale up the importance of being in space. Uh, the, 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 the system I could closest relate that concept to would be the Traveler system. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Traveler is, Traveler is a sci-fi setting in which the journey is the point of the game. Um, and it's sort of like just what Cody was saying, where in Traveler, you have to take care of your ship. It takes you weeks to get from anywhere, and during those weeks, you have to maintain your ship, make sure everything's running functionally, make sure that the engine doesn't break down. Also, you're in a tin can in space with five, with five other people for two weeks. How do you <laughs> interact? Who starts to smell first? Who takes who takes control of the bathroom? Who cuts off the sweets uh, from the rest of the crew? Like there are these little bitty social moments that have nothing to do mechanically that could be highlighted uh, in a setting that would and it would make no no matter how familiar you are with the StarCraft setting, everyone can enjoy those moments. Yeah. Like everyone could enjoy. All right, you're 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 traveling from point A to point B for about four weeks, and one of you hasn't taken a bath in three days. Go. Regardless of what setting, that that is rife with some entertaining stuff, um, as well as some other smelly stuff. Um, <laughs> and and I feel like that is a huge opportunity that this system could take that wouldn't remove anything from anybody, and would just make it better. Um. So we have a couple folks incoming. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. I think I think we've we've sort of we sort of summed up our thoughts uh, fairly succinctly. I think. Um, 
we are going to take a break, quick 10-minute break, and we'll be back with the actual story, with the actual gameplay part of this stream. So go ahead, go stretch your legs, get a drink, do whatever. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And we're back. And look, there's a somebody below me. Jack, you're below me. All right. I'm not going to below you. <laughs> no. You have to it at least buy me dinner first. Mm. All right, well, so... Tell, tell, tell me what the rates are like, are like out in California, and we'll see. All right, so... I am William, and I am your storyteller for this StarCraft RPG playtest. Let us begin by introducing our characters, starting with John. Hello, I'm John, and I'm playing Vazeron, the Taldarim Pirate Queen. And then moving to Jack. Hey, everybody, I'm Jack, and I'm playing Koridix, the Nerezim Protoss Scholar. And moving to Jeremy. Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm playing Dirk Garrick, and he's dumb. And moving to Cody. <laughs> there. I'm playing Oswald Ridley, the Terran pilot. And moving to Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'll be playing Ava Sweet, the Terran medic trader. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's and the final Sarah... episode. I have to get it right. And Sarah's still not with us right now. We've delayed as long as we can. If Sarah gets here, we will bring her in. But for right now, I'll be assuming control of that. Assume go, go. control. So... When last we left our heroes, as that is officially what you are at this point in time, um, they had broken into the final Black Sight, Black Sight 1, as Black Sight 2 was being bombarded from space by the full matter of the Dominion fleet. The group of you had infiltrated the first Black Sight to find Alexander Ravenhall, get him and Theodore out alive, and destroy the facility, hopefully taking Rasputin with you. Uh, and... Like in a carry-on bag? <laughs> In a body I got bag, it. Preferably. Don't worry. In a bucket. Okay, in a bucket. Gotcha. Mm. Um, I don't have a bucket. I suddenly realized I didn't level up. <laughs> level up. All of you level up to 10 if you haven't already while I'm doing this intro. Okay. I did. Okay. I did. I don't know what to I'm do. Sorry, I was busy. I was busy putting together a 24-hour stream, which, by the way, if you tune in on Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight <laughs> Time, we're going to be doing a 24-hour stream, and I'm going to be killing myself over the course of it. I have five more hit points. So... <laughs> Uh, Two all-nighters in a row, you'll be fine. Trust the college, dude. You, inf you infiltrated Black Sight 1, and bursting through the, the, the bottom floors with a siege tank, uh, you made your way up to some of the more middle floors, closer to where the drive core is, and you made your way into the drive core to find that Alexander Ravenhall, the presumably one of the first members to actively successfully activate the K-gene, uh, the Kerrigan gene, that, that is what gives human psionics the massive psionic potential that individuals like Nova Terra and Sarah Kerrigan have, um, is chained into this facility being used as a power core to sort of power the facility. Uh, pulling him out of those restraints and, un and unshackling him from the facility's power supply, uh, the ship went into emergency power, and... Uh, Alexander Ravenhall began to, after taking his signature sidearm back from the group, began to blast his way through the walls of the facility in pursuit of Rasputin. Um, the uh, on your way on your way following him, you began to be approached by the psionic, shall we say, creations of Project K. 
uh, some some of these powerful sounding entities, not quite as powerful as Kerrigan or Nova Terra or Alexander Ravenhall, but still dangerous psionics in their own right, uh, began to approach, during which the two ancient Protoss that you had brought with you, Savasan and Verasan, Savasan also being known, hey, we have a Sarah. Hey, Hi. I have to fix everything. <laughs> Keep talking, William. There, You're doing I, great. I it. Uh, Savasan also being also being. How did I know that would be my greeting? Uh, Savasan, unknown to the group of you, also being known as Kos, the founder of the Kala, one of the most important Protoss in history, said his goodbye to the world as he had lived far beyond his era, and joined with and joined with Verasan to form an Archon, a powerful being of psionic energy, to stave off these psionic agents approaching you. As you leave him behind in pursuit of Alexander Ravenhall deeper into the facility, and he joins battle with these psionic individuals, you continue moving. And that's where you pick up as you chase the fleeting figure of Alexander Ravenhall deeper through these walls as he bursts them down with power as he charges forward, flying like a madman. Which he very well might be. Yeah, this isn't going to go terribly. It's true. He might be. Not at all. That's me. That's not Dirk. Dirk's... And I believe we're all following after him. All right. As, you're, as you are sprinting on, you and Task Force Renegade making your way through, all of you... There's a, there's a brief moment where up ahead you can see Alexander stops and looks around. And... You can all those of you who are psychic, and even some of those of you who are not, who are just a little bit more mentally inclined, which is to say, everybody uh, but Dirk, everybody but Dirk, and <laughs> yeah, maybe Rachel, <laughs> um, can sense this pain, this wave of sorrow, this regret and sadness radiating from Alexander as he looks around, like taking in something horrific. And then it is immediately subsumed again by that all-consuming hang- anger and hate. I almost said hanger. <laughs> He's very hangry. Hanger, hanger, hanger very happens. Hangry. He is the as, hangriest. Not as, enough sandwiches. As he continues bursting through these walls with a renewed with a, with, a, with a renewed rage. As you catch up to that point where he had stopped, you enter what appears to be a science bay. You see... In this room, there are tossed about individuals in medical garb, scientists that appear to have either been killed or knocked unconscious by his passing. And two tables and a holding, fa- and a holding cell. Upon the two tables are a pair of small shapes covered in cloth. Oh, shit. In the, in the holding facility, you hear... A muffled cry and fists pounding on metal. Dirk stops, looks around, kind of gapes. Well, this is just fuckered as hell. I'm trying to oh. telekinetically sense for uh, what's his fat face? Alexander or Rasputin? Theodore? Rasputin. You know he's here. You know that Alexander's rushing toward him. You can't feel his presence in this room specifically, 
Oh, I thought Alexander. But you stopped. know he's some. Oh. Alexander stopped, looked around, was sad for a minute, then got even angrier and continued flying on. Oh, then I'm following him still. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh well, then, yeah. We, we stops, we... says that, and then keeps going. None of none of you, none <laughs> is, of you are going to stop to look at what's in this room. Is that the thing you like? I your might head stay perfectly still while the body moves. <laughs> sort of, yes, and. Uh, you know that Schwarzenegger Rambo expression of like the smear sort of yep, open yeah. mouth gape? Yeah. Dirk, Dirk sadly, as as curious as I am, is not smart enough to think. Ava is going to stop might and be start trying to very quickly investigate. Because, hey, medical tables, it's kind of her thing. Oswald is too. He's going to the door that he hears pounding on the other side of. All right. So the door you see is a stasis. Is a state is not stasis. It's a it's a holding cell. It's meant to keep someone still while they get ready for doing something with it. It's locked. You don't, you there's a there's a window, and on the inside you can see a small child pounding on the metal and making muffled screaming noises. It's locked. So yeah, it um, definitely won't open. I found somebody. Does um, this match the description we have in Theodore? That's a good question. Uh, from what you can see through the glass, it does. But uh, Ava, as you as you lift the sheets from the tables, you find two small children dead with surgical incisions across their chest and several parts of their and several parts of their head where it looks like skull pieces have been removed. Do they also look like Teddy? No. <laughs> it's a small it's a small boy and girl. No more than ten, maybe eleven years old. Do they match okay. the descriptions of Ravenhall's children, given that I have their childhood medical records? Not only do they match their descriptions, uh, the small tag on each of their toes has their name. Okay. Uh, these do indeed appear to be the children of Alexander Ravenhall, Rojas, and Alexis. Well, bad news, Morty. Can't fix death. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That got dark so real fast. That exactly the expression that Ava has on her well, face. Well, that escalated <laughs> quickly. Or an very solemn. <laughs> At this, and then steps over. Uh, what is Teddy restrained behind? Uh, it's literally a like a bla- almost like a blast door. It's sort of like a conical cylinder holding facility. That's just a, a metal shield. Okay. So very ready. slowly, just pushes the tip of the side spear in, and starts carving away. And you you, you notice on the inside, he backs away as the, as you begin to carve. Good. Okay. You carve a circle out of the door, and as the metal falls free, he runs out and, like, hits the ground. <laughs> Thank you. Rachel Harmon. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm here. Just points at the kid on the floor. <laughs> and it is Teddy. Oh. I, uh, I take out my pistol and I shoot him. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase. 
that escalated quickly. <laughs> I just want to I just want to clarify: Are Dirk and I the only ones that followed after Ravenhall? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Dirk's not here for this. No. No. So, Ava, Oswald, and Cornix, you watch as Rachel just oh okay reaches onto the waist of the of oh, the firebat armor and just <laughs> one shot and the child falls limp. Are you done with your diversions? We need to get going. Cornix blinks and then takes off after Ravenhall. <laughs> <laughs> this Don't. will be addressed later. <laughs> Don't care. Moving on. <laughs> Can't fix <Yeah>. death, Morty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rachel is the best. Rachel goes over to him and pats pats him down. Uh, whatever you were looking Does for. Did she find anything on him? You find a note and a couple of credits and whatever you were looking for on him. Yep. Does the note say tag you're okay. it? Okay, what does the note say? Uh, the note says, the note is what appears to be a sort of a meeting location that you imagine is probably the place where he got picked up. Okay. All right. All right, I follow after. Well, you, you do find what you were looking for on him. Okay. Well, that just happened. I can't tranquilize someone in firebat armor. What do you want from me? <laughs> oh, I'm gone. I'm not. Looking, right. I don't. I can't I, see. Oswald is yeah, still I told standing him there. Next, as soon as um, as soon as the order was given. <clears throat> so the 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 group of you continue on. As you're going, you can feel more of those powerful psionic presence presences approaching you. And almost wordlessly, the rest of Task Force Renegade looks around as they almost seem to feel it themselves. And there's just a silent nod from each of them to you as a sort of, we know how this ends. Get going. And they begin to break off one by one to intercept each of these psionic signatures that you can sense. Leaving the context you. is totally lost on Dirk, who has no idea how this ends. <laughs> leaving, leaving only you, the new Task Force Echo, to follow behind Alexander Ravenhall. I've been following. Yep, we're both still. Like, yep. like, both Dirk didn't even slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Oswald is last in line. Uh, I just want to say, total side note, can you imagine how this how this last episode would have ended if we still had Stefan and Coraline? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we that's true. We could have made it off the ship, but, you know, whatever. The ship, would have, we would have just detonated the ship into the, into the black light. Yeah, we would have dragged Oswald away from the controls, loaded it up with dynamite, Listen to whatever her name was complain and blown up the ship. <laughs> and as as you follow him, he breaks through one final door and he is standing there hovering in the air face to face with the tall, thin heavily bearded visage of the individual that you've seen 
twice, maybe three times throughout the course of this this adventure. His arms just folded behind his back almost expectantly as he stands across a desk from the from the group of you in the room. <laughs> well, it's going to go bad. That you've all arrived. Welcome <laughs> to the black site as you all file into the room. I see you are here. You want to kill me, yes? Can I sense whether that's actually him or like a projection of him? Uh, you can feel the presence of his mind. It is imposing. Just the sheer act of being in this room with him is like he is pressing his will upon you. Okay, then. I shoot him. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. That's what we're gonna do. Alright, so, Dirk and Rachel, you both open fire with a flamer and with a, and with a Goss rifle, and as you do, Shotgun. he doesn't he, with a shotgun. He doesn't even lift a hand, but tendrils of wires and cabling and metal burst out through the ground, intercepting in a barrier that crosses in front of him, taking the brunt of the flame and the shotgun blast. As he just stands there, his arms folded behind his back. Well, I wouldn't be <laughs> the man that I am. If I were to simply curl up and die. Yeah, shoot again. You fire again, and this, again, this tendril of metal leeches, launches into the way. And then you see them beginning to coalesce and form together. I use feedback on him. I'm reloading. Roll me a sonic check. Watch this shit. Watch me. Watch me get a natural one. Yeah. <laughs> we will watch. We will watch it happen. And I would laugh. 25. That manifests. Let me read up on feedback. Uh, so he has to make a psionic manifestation roll. Um, let me pull it up right here real quick. As I just sort of stare at him like, very impressive, and then feedback. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, feedback. Here it is. Uh, it's currently because it's part of my thing. Uh, so there's the sound of a microphone being held in front yeah. of a speaker. Uh, first, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's uh, me turning my fan around. Sorry, I have to. I, I have to. No, make a, a I, have to make a, I have to make a psionic attack versus their resolve if I successfully manifest it. So let's roll that again. Thirty-one. Does that his resolve better? Uh, I'll say yes. Okay. Uh, then, uh, he needs to, uh, he takes, so he needs to make an immediate psionic skill test, and he takes an amount of psionic damage equal to that skill test result, functioning as, uh, uh, functioning as an overload result, uh, and is drained of mental energy, gaining an amount of energy fatigue equal to the damage dealt. All right. So I Please tell me he's a blast cannon. And it's at Hailfire 1. However, it's psionic damage, so it is reduced by his psionic resistance. It is. Yes, it is. And then times 2. So first he rolls, and then reduces whatever he rolls by his psionic resistance, and then multiplies by 2. 
and he takes that as damage. He takes and that as, energy as damage fatigue, right? and as energy fatigue. Well, well actually, actually sorry. So what he rolls times two, then damage. No, what he ro- what he rolls minus his psionic damage, resistance then times two. Times two. two. Right. Yeah, that right. is damage. But there's also an but there's an also an overload that he suffers as well, right? Yep. He yeah. also overloads for whatever that amount was, whatever the amount he rolled was, and he takes that damage in, as energy fatigue. Uh, it doesn't say that he overloads in this most recent edition. No, oh, they they changed it. I need to. They might because, have. because overloading is also very That's dangerous. Right. Overloading is changed too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, uh, is that well, under the energy discipline or the telepathy? It's telepathy. 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 Yeah. Uh, you do feedback. So yeah. Uh, well, he rolled a two on the die. Yeah. Which now that plus sucks. his si- well well plus plus his psionic skill check. Plus a psionic so, skill check, which is the thing. Uh, however, it's still like as as you as you use this psionic ability, you see his his face twitch for a second, and the the brief the briefest trickle of blood runs out of his nose. But I'm afraid I have no time to play games with you, lot. And as this mass of cables begins to coalesce and form into a gigantic, almost humanoid shape, this mass of technology standing before you. Another group of cables and metal shoots up from behind him, envelops him, and then pulls away, and he is gone from the room. Okay. Cornix is going to try and uh, sort Cor- of... Cornix, if we explode the base, it takes him a, with it. Furrow a brow... And see if he can sense, because that was a very powerful mind. See if he can sense it in any distance or direction from here. You're sensing it in the exact direction that he moved away. But you're also sensing it west, about 20 feet. Northeast, about 15 feet. South, directly down, up, left, right. So it's gotten distributed, basically. You're no, you're sensing copies of his mind. Oh, okay. Um, uh, fucker. So I'm just going to announce to the room, well then, shall we go make the black site explode and leave? As you say that, this massive golem of, of circuitry and metal swipes a hand at you. We're going to need Dirk's, a roll initiative now. Okay, yeah, because Dirk was already getting, was in the yeah. process of doing something. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> I much, may be ending this this well game much, very shortly. <laughs> how much? How much health do you re- How much health do you gain uh, from durability increase again? Uh, five plus half your plus, five plus your fortitude score, I believe. Yeah. And defensive like training goes up as well. Toughness goes up as well too. Yeah. Um. It's like. The, the guy named Rasputin, yeah, he just dies at the end of this campaign. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Makes uh, sense to me. Makes sense to me. Everything goes up by one. Alright. My initiative is 21. Ah. Uh, yeah, five plus four. Mine is 24. I rolled a one. Yeah. Well, you were in the well, middle. You were in the middle of doing something, so you'll yes. get your you'll get your first round to go, Dirk. And okay. Then go well, I need, I do need a bit of clarification on one 13. thing. Thirteen. Yes. Because damage capacity could be bad. <laughs> so, 
what would would potentially two hundred damage be enough to be 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 destructive to the room as a whole? Uh probably. Almost okay. certainly. <laughs> Is there a way? So, okay, let, let me explain what, what what he was in the process of trying to do. So he has five fragmentation grenades. Yeah, throw them in one and take pull the pins out. Throw the entire bag in one direction. So basically, you're doing the Hellboy Hail Mary. Yes, right. exactly. Is there a place I could throw it, like behind this giant Robo thing, that will do? Serious damage to the room, which I'm assuming would damage these artificial copies, although Dirk doesn't know about that. But his whole point is throwing it behind this thing to blow it up without blowing us up. Um, is this that thing possible? is massive and taking up most of the room. If you could get it around him, it would probably absorb the brunt of the blast. Yes. Perfect. Slide it between his legs. <laughs> Nutmeg. <laughs> So don't roll. I, def- so. I desperately want to see this happen. So <laughs> I mean, go ahead. More than likely, Corey thinks this is a terrible one. tactical like decision. Like I said, but Jack desperately wants to see this very happen. Short order. Minus your medic is your mercy is screaming and get Ferris stop using rockets in an enclosed space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Dirk is okay, going. I'm junk rat, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what am I rolling for this? Uh, let me have a look at your character sheet for one second. Strength athletics? No, I'm sorry, ranged. Athletics. Junkrat, uh, that's Farrah's gun. It does self-damage. I will say, yeah, it'll be your ranged skill. Okay, my ranged skill? Okay, so it, plus six. Try and land it. Okay. So aim, and then... <laughs> aim does what for me again? Plus two. It gives you plus two. So I have plus eight total, so... Range... Oh, if I roll. All right, everybody. Drum roll for the Jeremy roll. (laughs) (laughs) Ding! Ding! I rolled a 10. It was an average roll. (laughs) Which means that you did it. it. Yes! Take. um, Hold on. I need to look at this. How much damage total? So that is five (laughs) fragmentate. Oh, wait. No, I'm. I didn't think that he would have it, or probably got them, but I didn't think to use them. So, five fragmentation grenades at forty damage a piece, burst two. So two hundred damage. Uh, what's it does? Does a frag grenade have any penetration by itself, or is it just your penetration talent? Uh, probably just my penetration talent, I believe. There's nothing penetration listed in what I've got. Here. Okay. So, um, nope, just burst and burst and d- delay. Yeah. All right, so just your penetration talent, which is how much? Five. Oh no, wait, Jesus. hang on. I'm looking at frag. I'm looking at fragmentation grenade right now in the explosives list. That's penetration five by itself. So penetration okay, so ten. Pen- penetration ten, two hundred damage. Two hundred damage at penetration ten. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking a. Eat it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to need you to roll me a d20 for the three crippling wounds that you're dealing right now. Headshot! 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 So that's a three. Motivators. Motivators. 
Yeah, of course. That's like the right leg, isn't it? The same leg that we always do damage to. Well, the legs are the same. Are all in the same pile now. Yeah, so, but it yeah. used to be. Yeah, it used to be. It used to be the right leg. Um. So you 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 slide this belt of grenades underneath this massive creature, and it and it comes to a halt right beside him as he takes a step in front of you, and you just with your shotgun, you just lean to one side of him. Say goodnight, motherfucker. <laughs> Open fire with the the shotgun. There's this chain of explosions that go off behind it. It's shrapnel and debris fly in all directions. And this thing is pelted by... As these detonations chain go off right behind him. As he is almost toppled by the force of this. There's smoke curling off of his back. And you're pretty certain that that hole that Rasputin left in is now just kind of caved in with debris from the rest of the room. Uh, so good luck following him through that tunnel. But this thing is smoldering, smoking, and almost toppled over, but not quite dead. He's looking <laughs> rough before the first round of combat is even done. <laughs> I mean, that's the objective. I got my moment. Oh, by the way, if we need it, I do also have five concussion grenades, too. Oh, well, that's good to know also. <laughs> Don't worry, I have, I have frag grenades. <laughs> Why do you think I bought those way back when? I mean, we also we have the... sure would be nice if we had some grenades. Oh, wait. <laughs> yes. We've also got two Protoss, so. I don't so... know. Maybe you do, but. No, no. Let's, let's, Starting... let's, just, let's just go Archon and just finish this. <laughs> <laughs> Jack and I have turned into an Archon. Are you wearing protection? So... This has been explained to me as being like Steven Universe Fusion. Yep. And I'm going to say, no, Bazaron, consent is important. Uh, in this instance, Vazaron is, what's her name? The big, the big yellow one. Garnet? Jasper. Or Jasper, Jasper. that one. <laughs> in this case, Vazaron is Paradox. Paradox sweet. I, I'm just going to use this one for the initiative of the, of the creature. It's not. It's not actually a, an adjutant, but yeah. <laughs> right now, it's an agitated. So, <laughs> after seeing that nice fireworks display, uh, since I'm all the way in the back, I'm just gonna take aim <laughs> above everybody and let loose with my my favorite new toy. So the siege tank. They're not still in. I'm gonna siege I'm tank. Going to do that. <laughs> uh, I had that. That thing's already driving itself back. <laughs> You'll be specific when you say favorite new toy. <laughs> I know, I've been getting so many lately. Anyways, you're welcome. Uh, with my sniper rifle. And I'm taking aim, so it's another plus two and 27. That's gonna hit. Uh, I don't have, like, set stats for this creature. I'm going to say you get. How much overage do you have? Uh. Well, I, my instinct is seven. Uh, so I'm going to say that you get I'm set its defense right now at 24, so you get three points of overage. So three points of overage would be... Uh, let's see. Since I didn't move, it's that... It's 118 minus 12, so 106 points of damage. Wait, right, so what? 106... Yeah, hundred six points. What did you shoot him with? A sniper rifle. A sniper rifle that has two barrels. 
Is that before or after the Hailfire? That's after, uh, that's with that's with Hailfire. Okay, so cut. Remember so what cut we said about power yeah. creep about that's, an that's hour. One hundred six. That's one hundred six. And the modifiers. <laughs> so okay, so it's thirty-eight plus three, or yeah, uh, it's thirty-eight plus seven, because that's my instinct, and I didn't move, and I used it, I used a scope. So, and then my overage is plus three. So 38 so, plus 10 is 48. Hailfire. Yeah. 48. So then minus, first, first it's armor. What's your penetration? Uh, five. Five? Okay, so minus... And much. rending four. Times two. For purposes of critical injuries. Grand total of 76 point of damage. I'm going to need you to roll me... One D, uh, roll me D20 for your one crippling wound. Six. What is six? Uh, Legs again. Six motivator again, I think. No, uh, six is actions. Uh, drops a one-handed item, minus one to attack, skill checks, and physically interacting with things. Uh, at the end of your turn, it is going to interrupt the initiative for a second and launch a single attack at you as it's cybernetic, as it reels back, and you see a wall of tendrils spring out from the wall and attempt to ram into you. Oh, it's what going for I an do? impalement. You uh, shot it. I mean, I figured it would have gone after the dude that blew it up for 200 points of damage. Right? Wait for it. Wait for its turn to get here. That's when it gets <laughs> to do all of its stuff, not just its legendary actions that I am putting into the system. <laughs> legendary action. Because you want it to be able to do something before it dies. No, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's like, going... I put development work into this NPC, and he's going to kill someone, goddammit. <laughs> right, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. You can't kill me this way, because this is just like... This is just like Wash. <laughs> is this just like that old... <laughs> just, it's, also, it's, it's also just like uh, your character in Grand Terra. What you're doing? Just yeah. like that yeah. old witch said, I was gonna die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your defense? Twenty. Twenty. Okay, so that's gonna hit you, and that's gonna be. Oh shit! Really? Who'd thought? All of it strength bridge. Uh, so that's gonna be. Okay. Uh, that is going to be. Sixty-two points of damage. Minus resistance. With penetration nine. <laughs> penetration five hundred. <laughs> penetration fifty thousand. Jesus! And unstoppable. So, so let's see. So that's nine. It's still. What was the damage? Uh, sixty-two. Penetration nine. Hailfire one. So that's As 58 a, times whatever. It must suck that it two. has way less penetration than I do. 116. Shit, I'm not. I'm knocked out. By I'm how far? 100. What's up? By how far? 15 points. 15? Okay, so what is the what is the combination of your strength and fortitude? Combination of strength and fortitude is 5. So minus 5 is 10, so I'm rolling a d20 plus 10 to determine how... 
bad you are hurt. Uh, let me check. How I think much I have something for... It did have a minus right, one in all of its this. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it did have a minus one. Yeah. This thing. That would have reduced its damage by two, so... Hey, that's... That turns that's it two. to... <laughs> yeah, that's, that turns it. No, that turns it to instead of uh, fifty-eight to fifty-six, which is only one hundred and twelve, which is only minus uh, eleven. Really confused. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so be, with that, with that in mind, you've got a. It'd be a one d twenty plus six. Then. Yeah, I got it. Um. You have... Where did I lose track of the death and dying rules? There they are. Disfigurement. Uh, first, let's see where it was. It's in the I chest. predict the left leg. Yeah, I'm going to predict the left leg. Cause it was the left it. leg. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have Just to clarify for our viewers... It is no more likely to get the legs than anything else. Our Jace are just magnetically attracted to them, even when the system changes. I mean, I mean to be perfectly fair, legging. that's number. Uh, that's the lowest possible things that you can roll is the leg, and I'm in this game, so uh, it's so not adventure have... league. That explanation doesn't quite work. You anyway. have a you have a dislocated leg bone. I don't need that. I got a tank. Uh, <laughs> stabilization requires a DC 20 medicine check performed as a full round action. Trauma kit adds a plus five bonus. Okay. Hey, I did something before I died. You did. Uh, you did a lot of damage before you before you went down. <laughs> Wait a second. He's not dead yet. Nope. Not yet. Just that negative. As 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 a torrent of tent of metal and sipe and el- sparking electronic wires just blasts through the room like a like a tunneling uh serp like a tunneling serpent just slams through Oswald and drives him to the ground. <clears throat> Back to Ava. Oh hey, okay, it's the medic's turn. <laughs> I can fix this. All right. Uh, um, I'm there. I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> You, yeah. are, you are adjacent to him, so you can take that full round action to stabilize. Okay. Um, He's not a miracle worker. <laughs> she is close. She's very close. In this system, I am a miracle worker, and given that I'm only at like a third of max level, that's saying something. Um. Yeah. Uh, we should amp these characters up to level three. Oh, and a- see how a- Ava and Dirk are definitely Cornix's two favorites on the ship. Okay. Really, not me? I'm sorry, it's Fuck not you. in my macros anymore. What is the stabilize role? Uh, it's a medicine check. <laughs> okay. Trauma, trauma kit adds a plus five bonus when you're using a trauma kit. Later, love. I okay. love this group so much. <laughs> now you're talking my language. <laughs> I don't think Protoss do that. No, they don't. <laughs> Pretty sure they don't. I don't think they have genitalia. Well, that How do you get new protoss though? I believe they're just kind of formed like they reproduce psionic. by budding. <laughs> I think I think they actually reproduce by cyogenesis. Oh, okay, cool. In that they just have sort of like a, an Asari mind so meld and a new being. with your brain. You realize that's not any less sexual. Yeah. No. I mean, not from a. It, it is from a biological perspective, but not from like a 
they just a logical perspective. Not from, just a, not from really hard. perspective. Let's have a kid. And it's then they it's just have not to from a poli side perspective. Maybe from your stupid science. It's 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 not. It's never. We're gonna have a talk, Aaron. It's never. It's never explicitly <laughs> stated how protons reproduce in universe. So I'm gonna go with cyogenesis. That works. But but it is it is explicitly stated that they have male female genders. So and that and that they have daughters and sons because yeah. uh, Vorazun is specifically stated as Rashigal's daughter. God's daughter. So they yep. do reproduce somehow. The question okay. is how. Twenty nine to stabilize. You you definitely stabilize. Uh, now you need to heal him back above zero to get him back online. Yeah, but that was a full round action, so I don't have I just anything to do that with. All right. Coronix, it's your turn. Okay, here we go. Heavy strike charge. 28 to hit. That hits. Avenge you get four points of up. overage. All right, so that's 48 damage. Rending 6. Penetration 8. Hail fire 1. Flames don't affect him because he's a construct, right? Uh, it doesn't hit his toughness, otherwise it would reduce his armor. Okay. And energy damage. You know what? Just because he has a massive armor rating, I am going to say that he is not actually heavily armored because his internals are all kind of exposed to the world. Mm -hmm. So you do get an extra point of hailfire from energy damage. Nice. Oh, good. So that'll be 48 damage hailfire 2 then. Rending six, penetration eight. So how is this thing not dead yet? We'll it, find out. It's probably going to be soon. I haven't if attacked I deal yet, that's how. Right. Okay, so... 48 minus seven. And by attacked, I mean missed. I'm three. I haven't hit anything the last two episodes, by the way. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're going to get a chance to, because Coronix, how do you want to do this? Oh, no, no, I did, I did kill, I did get the killing blow on the Sentinel, that's right. Do, do I, do I deal a crippling wound? Yes. Uh, roll me a d <laughs> To the legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the legs again. So, yeah, Coronix is just going to go up, and he's been science recently, so, yeah, he's just going to narrow his eyes, look for something that looks like a energy nexus or power coupling and just excise it as quickly as he can. All right. So as this creature has in not even really gotten to its own attempt to attack, just what it could do between other people's actions has immediately pile driven uh, Oswald to the ground, but then immediate, but also been compounded on by explosions and bullets and, strikes from every angle. And as it is reeling back from these blows and preparing to bring its massive steely hands up to crush the group of you with its weight. It's massive steely dance. <laughs> yeah. Coronix <laughs> oh. rushes forward underneath its striking fist and dragging the size spear along the along its steel contours, just cutting cables as it rushes forward, runs down between what serves as these creatures' legs, slashing left and right, cutting off uh, these, almost hamstringing these metal tendrils that serve his feet, causing it to reel backwards, leaning back. Cornix 
launches up onto its knee and then up towards its chest and lunges forward, driving the Psy Spear with both hands through the chest of this creature, bursting out the back. There's a burst of crackling void energy as he drives his psionic power through the spear. There's a burst of this shadowy blackish green energy and then a creaking of metal as it crashes to the ground as dust fills the room with the sheer force of impact. So it's kind of like the end of The Incredibles. Kind of. (laughs) Yes! I take a moment to focus. As you all sit, as you all stand here in the aftermath, Alexander, who never even took a moment to strike this thing, turns and <laughs> we kill Steeled from the NPC. <laughs> turns and we all stab him too. <laughs> turns and Bazran, no more willpower saves. <laughs> almost, almost sullenly turns and floats back towards that medical room. Well then. Captain Ravenhall. Fuck yeah. Task Force Echo. Where is Rasputin? He's running. Which way? I can run fast. He is like me now. But you, you have a communicator, running. Captain. He holds it up. We are about to sabotage this station. We will keep you apprised of our progress. Get going. We're going to blow it all up. Good. That's what I said, Mazaron. I put it in Terran terms for them. All right. I, you guys... I turn and leave. <laughs> <laughs> So as you're as you're moving, you you move you move past him on your way back to try and get to the drive core. And as you as you guys are moving past uh, this area, making your way back, you can't see any sign of the rest of Task Force Renegade, but you can see signs of bloody battle that have taken that have driven all across this facility. Um, as you move past the uh, past the med bay and move on. I would like everyone to roll my perception check. hey As far as I know, I'm still unconscious. Uh, you 26. Probably, uh, roll me a medicine. Roll me, roll me another heal. Yeah, uh, otherwise, you guys just that, I just there. didn't want to interrupt. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ava, go ahead and roll me medicine to get him back online. There you go. 27's the... So you heal a crippling wound... <laughs> Or, no, you don't heal a crippling wound, but you heal 27 plus 25 health. Which is 52. Yeah. 27 on perception. I rolled a 4. Yeah, I saw that. So I get 52 hit points back? Yeah. Yep, because I rolled really low. A 21 for Valzeron. Yeah, you rolled low and got a 27. Actually, yeah. it's twenty eight because I up I didn't change my macros oh. when I upgraded. <laughs> yes, no, I know. Except so for the fact that this is the only seven. thing Ava can do well. I got oh. a forty for perception. I don't disagree. <laughs> I ain't getting Jesus, hit by another man. goddamn tendril. <laughs> so, Dirk, 
Coronix, Rachel, Oswald, Ava Roaming Perception. Oh. Was the check 22? It was. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Sorry, John, but that's amazing. Missed it by that much. Azaron's just off. And to be fair, to be fair, it is it is it is it is, char- it is it is characteristically fitting that you either would not notice or would not care when you notice this. That's fair. Uh, and Ava also doesn't hear it. As the group of you are walking, just faintly behind you, the sound of a single gunshot. Oh. And a shit. It is dark apparently. You continue I turn around. Moving. You continue. Cornix will pause forward. just briefly. Kind of turn his head to the side a little bit. You, as a psionic, you no longer sense his mind. Yeah. There's something the matter, Cornix. Blink, and then keep walking forward. <laughs> this uh, so much of what's going on, Dirk realizes, is over his head. Nothing that happens is remotely surprising him anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Time to blow it all up. So if, if we're walking back the way we came, I assume we're walking out, back like... past the child corpse. You are, you already did that. That was okay. what he that was where he that was where he stopped and you moved past him. So you, you, uh, make, your way, you make your way back to the drive core. Yeah, Cornix is looking for the core and trying to figure out if we do we just happen to walk over the bodies the of the former task force Echo as well? <laughs> um, so, uh, on your way through, like I said, you can see the signs of battle basically everywhere. Um, but, Oswald, you do notice, as the one who rolled a 40, on your <laughs> way back through, you spot ever so faintly under the pile of under several piles of rubble, you see the dead body of what looks like another one of those Project K members, and uh, a hand that is sort of wrapped in the plasteel uh, armored ceramic of an HEV suit. Somewhere else, you see what appears to be a medic's power armor, and everywhere you go, you're seeing signs of carnage. You see the the extra cybernetic limb of what looks like it was Shawnee's backpack crushed underneath what looks to be the wreckage of several different vehicles. You just are seeing carnage as you move through. Yep, we kind of expected that. And... You as we're moving through, Coronix is putting through a call to uh, Vera. Hi. This is Vera. Adjutant Vera. A log entry. Names of the Fallen in battle against the Sons of Creation. Alexander Ravenhall. Fallen. Shauna Briggs, Fallen. Joshua Lawson, called Nightfall, 
Fallen. Dr. Rayana. Fallen. And as your mind begins to form the phrase of the name Richter, uh-huh. you see a vicious tendril of Zerg biomass rushing through a steel wall with a body attached to it as an individual is crushed against a wall. And you see, stepping forward as that arm slowly retracts, I'm still here, Richter says, as he leaves the broken body of this Project K specimen on the ground. Good of you to rejoin us. Someone has to carry on their legacy. But it's all around. We are to proceed to the Drive Corps and sabotage this installation forthwith. If you would accompany us, we would appreciate the assistance. Farewell. Let's finish this. And we this. are moving. <laughs> yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright, you all make your way back to the drive core. It is still in emergency power as the former primary power source is not there anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> and look at... Ava and Oswald. Can I get a computer check, a science check, anything? Science, you can only science. I know something that would do it, and I pull out a breaching charge. <laughs> let's let's check. I, I don't necessarily know if that's going to actually work or just blow us up. Um, it's a directed explosion. It'll... Wreck what needs to wreck to cause a chain reaction. But I will roll science as well to see if that um, would work. I this believe that we said right. that this was alien. Uh, yeah, it was weird enough that it qualified as alien. Awesome. Cool. 14 for me. 16 for me. So just so, for the record, 14 is my base. <laughs> That's why we like having Ava around. That's 12. one of the reasons we like having Ava around. This is the reason why we keep the the character who is actively working on insurrection around. So, uh... Ava and... Rachel, you're pretty certain. Rachel, because you spend a lot of time on starships and you know generally how they work. Uh, but Ava, because of your, your strong scientific knowledge in academia. Um, this facility was re- was repurposed to use a psionic individual as a power source, but they there's no way they could get rid of all of the pre-existing infrastructure that keeps this place afloat normally. So... It's no longer hooked into the normal, like, fusion reactor that is the typical power supply of a Terran ship. But it is probably still there, and you could probably trigger it to chain react with enough... Okay, Um, do I know where the fusion reactor would be? Probably directly beneath your feet. Well, directly under here there should be a fusion reactor. It's not... Not currently hooked up, but but fusion reactor. Cornix is already carving out of the out the floor. <laughs> to explode. 
Yes. Um, you you carve you carve a man-sized hole in the ground and below in the in the floor directly beneath you can see what looks to be an ancient well not ancient but older not like not a recent model but an older model of a of a Terran fusion reactor that would power like say one of the older model battle cruisers. Hey, that believe, will probably blow up nicely. I believe your breaching charge placed on that might just have the desired effect. Uh, you do know that you need to bring it back online to where it's actively undergoing a fusion reaction to be yeah. properly unstable before it... Can I up. science it? Yeah, I'll only science to bring it back online. Can I assist? <laughs> yeah. What does assisting do? Can I blow something up? Let me, okay. let me put the yes. breaching charge on before the radiation starts happening. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know, but not radiation first, and then. Oh, if you're afraid of radiation, I can I can apply it. Uh, yeah, fusion okay. reactors. Fusion reactors are generally safe. They don't generate too much radiation, considering the setting and considering the fact that people have to be around them regularly. Yeah. Also, I've got protection from radiation, anyways. <laughs> also, it's, also, if there's also, a yeah, giant glowing space orb. You know that the space western humans are gonna want to stand right next to it. Yeah. How else also, do you get your picture taken? <laughs> also, it's fu- also it's fusion, not fission. So. Yeah. Right. I try to make a joke and y'all tear it down. Both of these. Both <laughs> we just shit fission. all over your okay, humor. Okay. So I know. what's happening? Mount it's a space bomb microwave. I know engine. it's safe. You're making a science. Uh, Ava- so Ava's making a science check with. Bonus or with advantage? I forget how assisting things work. I, I believe second. it's supposed to be a bonus, but for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to say with advantage. Okay. To turn it on. Okay. This is not alien. It's the green button. <laughs> this, is a, this is a very standard Terran. 33. Yeah, you successfully managed to uh, activate the fusion reactor. It's this button. <laughs> I put the breaching charge on the side. The, the, the inside of the reactor is slowly filled with a soft white light as it comes online. Well then, we should leave back to your ship. Yep. You know so that... have to stay behind. This is a manual deton- detonation. Just kidding. Deton- uh, I, I, you, you know that detonating a fusion <laughs> reactor... Detonating a fusion reactor is a lot like setting off a tactical nuke. Yeah. Not, none, of the, none of the background radiation involved with a tactical nuke, but... About the same but as far as design. destructive capacity, we right. want to be out of here. Is what we're saying. Hang on, I, there's there's an accuracy roll to see how you have flight control of the Akundalar. We may require a pickup. I can get you around here. Yeah, is the tank on board? Oh yeah, the tank's back on the. Okay, yeah, good. Okay. I, I was I, I got knocked out and I was a little worried. <laughs> The Goliath and the tank are stored. The tank's currently hooked on the bottom of the ship, but... Oddsvault worries about the important stuff. I do. If I don't, nobody else will. It's fair. It's fair. Um, Would you say, William, at this point that Ava has sort of gotten down generally how to direct her thoughts to talk to Coronix without broadcasting? Yeah, generally speaking. Okay. Um... Ava will briefly relay to Coronix what Rachel did um, and communicate essentially like a level of skepticism about other things Rachel may have told us in light of this. <laughs> Your response is yes. I witnessed her actions and rest assured there will be a discussion of 
some emphatic nature as soon as we are extracted from our current predicament. Mm-hmm. All right. Oswald's going to turn and go, all right, are we leaving now? Yes. I think so. Uh, so as as you guys are making your way out of the ship, uh, because I had timed this. Um, it blows up and we all die. Uh, Yay! You, you got to call over your communicators. From who? Do you pick Hello? up? Hello? I was going to say, Kornix <laughs> looks Click. at it. Is there caller ID? Stop. No, there's not really caller ID. He'll just answer it then. All right, so over the over the communicators, you all hear. Task Force Echo, this is Hyperion Actual. Matt Horner at the bridge. Proceed, Admiral. All right, we've dealt with black. We've dealt with Black Sight Two, and our forces are now in orbit over your location. We have tactical nukes and Yamato cannons at your disposal. We, we have, have a breaching charge on a fusion reactor. <sighs> we have what Pilot Oswald Ridley has recently transmitted, but we appreciate having a residual plan in case of unforeseen I think a, I think a Yamato cannon might set off that charge quite nicely if planted correctly, and I will broadcast the exact coordinates of the engine room up to the Hyperion using my communicator. Mm-hmm. That's your target, Admiral. We are Captain, mid-extraction, Captain. and we'll call when we are at a safe distance. <laughs> All right, Captain Kornix, it's your call. Very well. We are proceeding to the Kundalar, and we'll attempt to coordinate our attacks. All right. The Akund- As you guys are leaving the facility, the Akundalar swoops in, and there's the barrage of, of, of burst laser fire as it picks off any stragglers who are trying to come and get in your way. Uh, and I am running to the boarding ramp. Yep. Yep. It lowers Trying itself. Sure. It lowers itself close enough and lowers the boarding ramp for you to for you to get on. You all run aboard the Akundalar. The ramp raises and you begin to fly up, getting a bit of distance, keeping an eye on the facility. As the ship is flying away, detonate on my mark. As the ship is flying away to to Kornix specifically, Kornix, do you have any children? I am ignoring Vazaran currently. I have, I have two. Son and a daughter. Four. Three. Two. One. Glance at Oswald and point. Fly forward. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll detonate the charge, seeing as how we're far enough away now. Was that linked up to Matt Horner as well? Yes, that would have been broadcast open. Uh, All right. to open onto uh, All the... Right. And, and so as, as, you're, as you're doing this countdown, you can hear over the communicator, Yamato cannons, fire at will, three. In, li- in line with, in line with right. your counting. Three, two, two. one. And as, as the detonation of, the, of the, the breaching charge and a barrage of massive energy blasts from above rain down on this facility... The um, this massive almost mushroom cloud goes off into the air, and everything else goes dark in comparison for a while. As the sheer brightness of this light that radiates from the explosion, everything else around you dims just from comparison light. And on the bridge, Richter stands solemnly and puts one hand slowly to his chest. Good hunting, all of you. 
been a pleasure. Oswald, Ridley, please take control of the ship. Activate sensors for residual radiation. And if there is no danger to the Akunlaro systems, return us to the Black Sight's last location. We will require a scanner sweep to determine if Rasputin may have somehow survived. About that, Horner says on, on the comm channel. We're picking up numerous escape pod detonations, all of which have active psionic signatures on them. We can't get all of them. <clears throat> Can you prioritize us to those with the highest level of psionic power contained? They're all reading as class 10 psionic waveforms. Mm. A psionic parasite? Uh, some, of them, some of them may hey, what, be decoys. Sir? Class 10 psionic waveforms, those of you know, are the highest Terran catalog of psionic, which is right. to say Sarah Kerrigan and Nova Terra in life. They may be decoys. This psychic in particular is known to be able to send his thoughts through electronic signals. Could he prove How many can Hyperion in the fleet account for? Such a method? Preserve himself? Can... I don't know. We can detect we can detect roughly thirty escape pods firing. We have the capacity and the speed to catch maybe fifteen. Don't catch them, shoot them down. I think that's that a was, lot that easier. Applied. That's in, that's included. Adjutant Vera, of the Akundalar's capabilities, how many could we conceivably account for? Uh with a pro well, I'll be honest, a proper escape pod spread is supposed to help disperse the pods to make it difficult for ships to catch. I'm assuming that they've only able to get that many because of the number of ships they've got. We could probably get one. Understood. Um, I wanna just sort of reach out and telekinetically sense what like the escape pods um and see if I can zero in on one that makes that 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 feels more right than the others <laughs> roll me a psionics check psionics are weird like that so i don't know if this would i guess xenology isn't a thing in this system but like science or history or something um 33 ava's sort of working theory is like some sort of psychically based virus that these are all potentially duplicates of him does that make sense or would that be i mean you have no idea this person rasputin's psionic ability is that. Got it. you can make a science roll okay uh 33 can i make can i make a tactics roll sure it's a He'd be basically trying to see, because Corinix probably knows about the ability of certain psionics to project phantoms, right? Yeah. I have that ability, if that matters, by the way. I have hallucination. As hallucination, a, that's what yeah, it's called. 33. Psionic power. She's trying to figure out if this could be more than that. Um, based on what you know, and go yeah. ahead and roll me your tactics, Corinix. Okay, so yeah. 21. Pooling the three of you's knowledge... This is not any psionic ability you've seen before. It's not a hallucination. It's not a creation of a of a ghost, an image. Mm -hmm. It is 
the broadcasting of one's brain signal on multiple different locations. It's almost as if he had taken a brain map of himself, including the psionic nature of it, and then had emitters on each of these pods to broadcast his brain map. So, with a 33, well, do I pick up one that feels If we assume real? that he needs his right. physical body, and he is in only one of the escape pods, taking down 50% of them seems reasonable, at least in that it, it gives us a chance of taking him down. Um, Coronix, right. though, will mention... It is also conceivable that, since these are likely emitters of a technological nature, he may not even be contained on one of the pods. Is there that a way is to possible? Is there a way we could you potentially backtrack this signal to a point of common origin from them? We've already tried that. Horner says coming over the speakers. It looks like he's using whatever his technopathic psionic ability is. It's not something we've seen before, so it's not something we can really track. Understood. We had the same issue when, when he invaded via the adjutant systems. So what I'm hearing is we're fucked. We have a 50% chance of defeating him with the resources at our disposal. Slightly over 50 In an optimistic projection, yes. As... Executive officer of a suite describes, yes. So we're not fucked? We have a chance of being, as you say, fucked. Well, um, on your order, we'll open fire. Please do. All right. I would and like each one of Direct the Akundalar to one of the escape pods as well so that we can at least take down 16 of the 30 and maximize our chances, hopefully. <laughs> I would like you to each roll me a d20. Each Just a flat d20. 18. 13. Look at Jeremy rolling above 10. 17. Right? 19. This is going to be one where we had to 20. roll low. Natural 20. 11. 11, 13... We did get an actual 20, though. 20, 19, <laughs> 18, 17... I mean, it's, they're all above average. Now, this that was, this was, was the this... best single set of D20s I think that this group has ever, ever rolled. Ever collectively in, rolled, round. yes. Yeah, so this 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 wasn't actually this wasn't actually a like roll high or low. This was a I'm looking for a specific number. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We had to roll low. Or 12. We had, we had to roll specific. It was a, one of these numbers is the pod that he's in, and if you don't roll it, you don't get him. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured. All right. Technically, a 20 is a 30. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I mean, that's going to be the funny part. He's going to be, <laughs> William's going to be like, haha, it was 25. You never had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you guys. Fuck you. My NPC lives. <laughs> I, would, I, I wouldn't do that to you DM's guys. DM's prerogative. Eat it. At least no one rolled duplicate, so we have the best possible chance. <laughs> that would have been if great. Of, two ships shooting the same. Just three of, natural 20s. If one of you had rolled duplicates, I would have told you to roll again. All right. But none of you rolled lucky number seven. <laughs> Damn it! Ah. <laughs> uh. 
Um, so, as as you all are watching this barrage of fire, and the Akundalar is opening fire on one of the pods itself, you see these bursts of explosions that are consuming these escape pods as they're flying away. All of these signals remain, and you don't know what that means. The signals that were destroyed in the life pods go out. The remaining life pods that managed to escape into the void, they're off somewhere, and you can no longer track them as they get out of your range. Mm-hmm. At minimum, this significantly depletes his resources. Yes. Should so, he attempt to rebuild his cult? Yes, take sir. some time, and we know of his existence. So, what I'm getting from this is, we're fucked. We have achieved a qualified success today. Not a complete success, Dirk Garrick, but a qualified one. Dirk, you're a combatant. Not every battle is the end of the war. No, no, I get that, I get that, I get that. that, 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 I was just... We I'm go get depleted me the enemy's forces. We forced their leader to retreat. Unfortunately, their leader is very powerful and does seem to have either escaped or managed some sort of thing that might lead to some successor to him. To be you fair, know, these right. signals might just be continuing to broadcast and he might be dead for all you guys know. Until, yeah. until, until you search the wreckage of the pods that you shot down for a body, you won't know. Right. I mean... That's what... That is what I just detonated, to communicate, but <laughs> I just detonated five grenades in an enclosed room and ain't nobody dead said that, that I didn't want dead, so I'm gonna go get a drink. Excuse me. Very good. You go do that. <laughs> Crew of the Akundalar, we have made an achievement today. I believe a bit of shore leave will not go amiss. You are dismissed. Rachel Harmon, remain behind if you would. Um, right. Ava sort of projects to Coronix. If you need me, call. Then I might join you for that drink. I. He'll click his communicator over. Admiral Horner, do you wish for the fleet to investigate the wreckage, or should the Akundala remain behind to do so? That was Admiral Horner. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll comb the wreckage. You guys are well. You've done your job. You're free to go if you like. We shall report to Unity Station and await further orders. Then, Rachel Harmon. Rachel, are you there? Yes. Yeah. Sarah, can you hear us? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, she's just not saying anything. Would you care to describe exactly what your intention for the young boy you were in pursuit of all along was and why you did not communicate to that to us at an earlier date? Uh, no. 
As I understand Terran law, what we observed, in lieu of more elaborate testimony, could easily be construed as the murder of a minor and non-combatant. Do you care to dispute these potential charges that may very well be levied in your direction? No. Understood. Well, we have a choice then. Do you care to remain with the ship until we make landfall on Unity Station? Or... Or exit the ship before we arrive. Wait. Not as Rachel, but... Are we... Did we take off? Yeah. We're in the air right now. (laughs) Oh. Well, uh, I believe the first one would be more contingent with my plan at the moment. The first one would stay on the ship, right? Yes. All right, good. You sure we can land and let you off? (laughs) Oh, is Oswald still there? I'm in the cockpit. I don't know where you guys are having this conversation. In the cockpit, where we all were, yeah. Yeah. I'm the pilot, like so it'd be kind of negligent if I left. I like the idea that the Protoss just forget that the humans are there sometimes. <laughs> we do, we do. Very well. Please see to the care of your armor, exit it at your earliest convenience, and remain confined to your quarters during the journey. She leaves. Okay. How long does Kornick stay in the cockpit? (laughs) Probably about ten seconds. Then I'll sort of look over his shoulder at Oswald. Just look. For about another five. And then he's going to go to the mess hall and see if he can figure out this drink thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, you enter the mess hall to see uh, Dirk leaning back. Are you still in full power armor or you stepped out of that by now? No, I would have gotten out of it at this point because as near as I can tell, we aren't about to blow anything up. So, right, so he, he's, he's at in, some points he has to get out of it. You in your, your skivvies or your, or your light combat armor? Uh, yeah, I don't think he would have put on a light combat armor. He's so just, just there in a pair just of pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you see, uh, you see Dirk in civilian in civilian garb, uh, just sort of leaning back, feet kicked up on the table, holding a bottle of some kind of liquid that you assume Dirk. is alcoholic, based on how Dirk, based on how humans work, is knocking it back. <laughs> and Ava with um, probably also alcohol. Um, at the table, also out of her power armor. So he'll go and he'll find a cup. Just like a glass or a tumbler or something. Yeah. Is Dirk drinking directly out of the bottle? You know, I don't... I feel like if we've got stuff in cans available, that's probably more... He's got a can, yeah. 
Okay. He's got he's got one can with four already empty. Right, right. <laughs> As you'd expect. Yep. Yes. But yeah, if if there's a bottle of something, he will pour some in the glass, hold it up, kind of lean over, splash himself in the face with it. <laughs> I don't have a mouth. Right. No, he doesn't have a mouth. And then he'll just pour a little bit in his hand and try and absorb it. I'm like watching. Little... <laughs> Dirk is watching very curiously. I just like the idea of you going splash. <laughs> so you are photosynthetic, which means yeah. you do intake stuff through your skin. Yep. Um, I'm gonna say, roll me a Constitution check to see how your <laughs> yes. body handles this. So just a D20 plus my fortitude. Yeah. It was sober enough to be paying quite close attention to this. This can only end in tragedy. That's a 12. So I'm going to leave it up to you how you think a psionic individual would react to the first ever application of 120 proof whiskey (laughs) absorbed through his skin. There's probably a jitter. Just like a very faint full body spasm and he'll sort of lean on that unignited size spear for a minute. And then probably for the first time ever, you guys see Coronix sit down. <laughs> Dirk just gives a slow wide grin like, yeah, that's the stuff. Fascinating. And he'll set down the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want more of that. Thank you very much. Yet. Definitely not, not yet. yet. <laughs> yes. That's what they always say. on the functions of alcohol after I'm done getting drunk. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, take, you take a second to be like, what the hell did I just drink? And you, you pick it up and you look at it. It's this like very old looking like not like old as an ancient like old bad alcohol but like old style like right. faint yellowish yellowish glass with sort of like a fluted neck and as you look at the label on the side it reads Scotty Bolger's old number 8 whiskey <laughs> yes Scotty 120 proof god that's amazing so as the group sits down to think about what has been done, that is the end of this campaign. So, let's talk about each of the characters and where they go from here. Let's start with Coronix as the captain of this crew. Where do you see your fate ending up for right now? You're still part of this task force, remind you. Coronix would probably try and collate his various findings. His first priority would be to transfer all of his memories of Cass and Verasan to a memory crystal and pass along both the location of the Tomb of the Ancients and that information to the archivists, probably through Carax. And then... Looking at what he's been through, start to pursue a more 
rather recording facts and history type of scholarly pursuits, much more of an investigative, proactive mode with the intent of trying to form information networks so that if and when Rasputin ever rears his head again, Kornix is well-informed and positioned to... Would you retire? Another would you, team. Would you retire from the task forces, or would you just simply not, lead not Task if, Force Echo in that direction? He would just try and, if if he's allowed, he will lead Task Force Echo in that direction. As a member of the task forces and as the leader of one of the task forces, you are given fairly free reign on your assignments. Okay, so yeah, that's what he would be doing, basically trying to continue the hunt. All right, and what about Ava, our long our our longest member aside from Oswald and Coronix? <laughs> Ava would probably stay with the task force at least as long as she was useful, given her academic background. Potentially, I mean, like the spy training that every emojin child gets, but not like the spy training of someone who's actually good at it. Um, Potentially offering some level of assistance in that department as well. she probably also does her best to, without obtruding on the proceedings, keeping up with any ongoing court trials for current and or former members of the group. I am looking at everyone except for Coronix as I say this. <laughs> hey, Dirk did nothing. Oswald did nothing. I said I'm looking at all of you, not that all of your characters have done something. Vosper did nothing. <laughs> oh, my character did yeah. something, just not Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we all know that's a lie, but Ava would not expect anything negative to come of Core, core Wolf 1. <laughs> um, so... Then we go to Oswald as the other longest founding member of Task Force Echo. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He uh, would probably leave and uh, he, I want to say he'd try to steal a ship uh, <laughs> for himself. <laughs> he wake up one day, where's a ship? <laughs> not, not the Akundalar. Uh, they could have that. But like, I mean, uh, if you ask, if you ask based on your reputation record, you would probably be given a race superiority fighter if you wanted one. Uh, I was thinking probably something along either that or a Viking. And like, which, uh, Whichever one you wanted, you would get. Probably the Viking then, because he, he'd just take that and he's going he's gonna to fly solo for a little while. And uh, if uh, <laughs> nothing happens with uh, Rachel, he will probably track her down and shoot her. <laughs> because he does not he, he the only reason he didn't there is because there was other people on board and he didn't want to put a hole in the ship <laughs> and Rachel would you mind not only for my edification but for the chat's edification explaining why what, what your original purpose was hunting this child down and then where Rachel goes from there um Teddy uh <laughs> Teddy was a, um, he was a, uh, psionic who had killed a bunch of people back in her hometown. Um, and then when he got taken, she kind of was like, well, 
might as well go handle that problem. Um, so yeah, she did lie a lot to get onto the ship and to get going where you guys were going. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, he killed Rachel's like boyfriend. I mean, he killed a bunch of people in her town. Um, he was not a good kid, guys. Um, as soon as the ship lands, Rachel is like she busts out of there. Um, she disappears. If you want to track her down, Oswald, that's fine. She'll buy you a drink and explain what she did and why she did it. I don't think he'd get close enough to let you explain. (laughs) He's a sniper. I'm not going to come up to you. I'm not going to come up to you, but if you find me, that's more of your, um, that's more your, your, your priority. Otherwise she just, otherwise she disappears. She changes her name and her hair color and she just goes off and does what she's been doing, which is odd jobs quietly. Yeah, so as it, as it turns out, the kid had a bit more of that kid who pulls wings off ants kind of thing, but psychotic. Yeah. Okay. He was a killer, and she tracked him down, and she found uh, found him and did what she needed to do. So I'm sure that no one on her hometown ever gets word that she's done it, but the fact that she doesn't come back is probably uh, enough of a uh, checkmark to them. All right, and then uh, going in <laughs> Sorry, order guys. Order. Going in order just kind of wanted numbers. to see all your faces when I blew your mind and only half of my video feeds are working. And I can't see Jeremy, <laughs> William, or Jack, so I'm guessing it was amazing, but I didn't get to see it. Oh, it, I, there, was, <laughs> it was. There, was, there was some amazement, that's for damn sure. I saw the other three, and that was good enough, so... <laughs> Top then, notch, Sarah. Top uh, notch. Dirk. Long con there. What does is, what is Dirk go up to? Um, well... Uh, so Dirk, I don't. First of all, he's such a follower; he will completely stay with the task force. Yes, uh, there is no <laughs> way he doesn't because this is the first of all. He was finally with a military group that survived a mission. Uh, <laughs> he was not the sole survivor of his mission. Ridiculously dumb luck. Um, <laughs> so it's people he actually can get to like. Um, and he doesn't really have any thoughts of ambition on his own or any real goals. He lives to serve as part of a unit. So, And he's got a unit here. And my hope, and this is my headcanon, is that the, the next season, so to speak, involves going up against the new big bad of Stefan. But that's oh, just me please. who like, does this yeah. tries to go up and kill all the former members of the team. That then Ava gets to be like, I was right, I was right, I was right. Sorry. <laughs> but that's my, that's my headcanon. Yeah. And then Vazaron. So I have a question that I have to ask Oswald. Because Vazron didn't leave the cockpit because Vazron's not a member of the crew of the, of the Kundalar, so that whole conversation happened while she was, like, communicating back with her crew. Um, and so she would have asked Oswald what that was about. What about the whole me asking if he was no, going to no, leave? No, no, no. Uh, Vazron asking, would have asked Oswald what, Cor- what the conversation oh. between Cornix and Rachel was about. Yeah. Uh, Rachel shot a kid. Okay. Because the, 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 the part of the conversation that Cornix ignored was Vazron trying to tell him that, you know, she was just trying to have a conversation because that's just the kind of person she is. Uh, she does have two kids. Um, Uh-oh. A son and a daughter. Um, uh-huh. And so after having that conversation, she would have left... Um, but not before putting the psychic... Imp- not before putting the psychic impulse into Rachel's brain to kill herself in her room. 
Whether or not that succeeds, that's something <laughs> for the future. Um, but you know what? Either you... way, Rachel's fine with it. <laughs> she did what she was supposed to do, and she's done. So, all of you, having either gone your separate ways or staying with the group, um, all of you either flying solo, staying as a task force, doing your own thing. Park some of you might get. Or some, dead. Of you, some of you might get killed. <laughs> <laughs> some of us might. However, you are all fairly certain, and the confirmation does come back some days later. Rasputin is still out there. He is still alive somewhere in the galaxy, and it may take him some time to build up a new following or even a new undertaking. But the man with psionic control over machinery and a penchant for not dying, is still somewhere out in the galaxy, doing who knows what, who knows where. But, this is perhaps the end, for now, of the Chronicle of Task Force Echo. Who knows if we'll return. And... We have been Final Show Films. We produce a wide variety of content every day of the week. You can check us out our website at FinalShowFilms.com. You can also check us out on our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FSFilms. If you want to support us financially, you can do so there. Thank you to all of our patrons, especially our $25 tier supporters, Chris Comfort, Antitonic, and Cat Waterflame. Um, thank you all very much. Thank you also to everybody watching on Twitch uh, and to all of our Twitch subscribers. We appreciate you guys. Remember, we are Twitch affiliates, so you can... Uh, subscribe to us here if you have an Amazon Prime uh, account you can use that free subscription you get that free $5 subscription you get uh, to throw it our way we appreciate that we appreciate all of you guys for watching and supporting us um, and also if you're watching on YouTube we appreciate you guys too and thank you for liking commenting and subscribing below um, coming up next week in this time slot we begin Grand Terra Rebirth uh, I will take all of these well most of these lovely people um, back to the, back to the land of Grand Terra uh, as, it reco- as it is reformed after the chaos of the previous campaign. And something's not quite right. So, look forward to that. We'll be, we'll be going back to the realm of 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons and Grand Terra next week. Also remember, in two days, we have our 24-hour stream here on the channel. Be sure to tune in here at 10 a.m. Eastern Eastern Daylight Time. uh, To We're going to be starting off with some Overwatch. Then we're going to be leading into some Magic the Gathering. uh, Followed up by by Changeling. um, And then some more Let's Plays. uh, And some more Let's Plays. A one-shot in Tal'Dorei run by Aaron over there. And then finally wrapping up the 24-hour stream with some Cards Against Humanity, who I still need people for, by the way, the rest of you on the call. Maybe. Um, It's a matter of I need to sleep that night, too. I don't. So we'll see. Uh, I'll be there. Anyways, so we're going to have some Cards Against Humanity that evening. Sleep Deprived is the best way to do Cards Against Humanity. It is. Yes, it is. Especially at the, end of a 20, especially at the end of a 24-hour stream. It's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, come here. Please tell me you have some sort of safety net in place, like your wife's going to be around or something in case nope. you get really injured. He uh, does I, have a safety net in place. Gabriel will talk him down if he needs to. <laughs> I've I, this this is my third time doing a twenty four hour stream, so I I actually am I'm actually used actually fourth, but uh, I am used to the the uh, rigors involved. So, uh, but yeah, so thank you all very much for watching, 
and we'll see you all next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Later. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah, wait, wait. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> we I put tuned. it in the chat. I put it in the goddamn chat. Everybody take your buy back. Yib. Jeremy. Yib. <laughs> Jeremy. Yib. Tell the good folks about 411mania.com. 411mania.com. It's a pop culture site that caters to everything that geeks could be interested in, whether you're interested in movies or television, comics, uh, wrestling, music, video games, mixed martial arts. Uh, we cover all of that with news, opinion, uh, uh, commentary. Uh, if you want to go to the site this weekend, you'll find things like uh, discussion of whether the Alien franchise could be saved with a reboot or the latest news on the Super uh, Troopers sequel. Um, all, of the, all of the latest news from WWE in terms of, 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 of Paige's status, um, all of the stuff regarding John Jones and challenging Brock Lesnar, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, everything. And Wait, of course, the all Manhunter is a wrestler now. He always was. <laughs> He's an MMA fighter. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and like I said, all final show film stuff as well. It's for one Check us out. And now we'll see you all next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Oh, bye. bye. Fuck nuggets. Wow. Goodbye. <laughs>